Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture today is Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 8. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. And he said, Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder, and we will worship and return to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them walked on together. Life is a proving ground for eternity. The way we live our lives has eternal consequences. Each day we prove who we are, whom we trust, and what we cherish. When a soldier in the military applies to special ops training, he faces an attrition rate of 79%. He must pass very demanding, rigorous physical, mental, and academic tests if he intends to become one of a select few who enter special ops forces. A day came in Abraham's life when he had to pass a very demanding test to prove the reality of his faith. He had to prove who he was, whom he trusted, and what he cherished. He had to endure a severe trial, the greatest of all trials recorded in the Old Testament. Verse 1 says, Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham. This testing was to prove the quality of Abraham's faith, not to tempt Abraham to sin. God never tempts anyone. The devil does that. The devil appeals to the worst part of a man that he might yield and do wrong. Testing appeals to the highest part of a man that he might overcome his trial and stand stronger than before. God only proves and tests the strength of the faith of his children to allow them to discover the depth of their love and obedience for him. God proved Abraham so that he might be not only a good example of faith, but a great and noble example of faith, that he might be called in the New Testament Father of all who believe. 
Are you in God's gymnasium of testing? If you will stand the trial, your faith will be increased. If you fail the test, you will learn to distrust yourself and cling even closer to him. This story of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis chapter 22 has been called one of the most poignant and moving stories in all the Bible. It has an unsurpassed beauty and simplicity of detail that deeply stirs our imagination. We see first the terrible conflict between a father's loving heart and obedience to God. God says in verse 2, Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. What an agonizing predicament! How could Abraham possibly obey God? The premature death of Isaac would make all the promises God had given to him null and void. For many, many years, Abraham had lived on the promises of God concerning Isaac and the coming Messiah through him. If he obeys God now, all those hopes will be dashed forever. The very wording of verse 2 increases the tension and torment in Abraham's heart. Take now your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac. The word son occurs 12 times in these verses, underscoring the agonizing torment Abraham must have felt. God's request seems unreasonable, unfair, and irrational. Sacrifice the son that I have given to you. Therefore, Abraham's response to God in verse 3 is utterly staggering. He gives unquestioning instant obedience. He even got an early start on the three-day journey. Verse 3 says, So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. The great point of Abraham's faith was that he was prepared to do anything for God. He was willing to obey whatever God told him to do. Because Abraham was true to God, God brought him through his great testing into a deeper, more mature, more intimate relationship of union and communion with him. Let's dig into the details of this story to see how that wonderful result came about. When Abraham receives the command from God, he doesn't deliberate. He doesn't reconsider or take counsel from any man. He immediately sets out on his journey. We can imagine that each step of the three-day journey is a torment for him. His heart is breaking. He is torn to pieces by his affection for Isaac. There is a constant struggle between loving the son God gave him and obeying God's command to sacrifice that very son. When they arrive at the mountain, verse 5 says, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder, and we will worship and return to you. Abraham's confidence in God is so great that Hebrews 11.19 tells us that he knew God would either save Isaac from being sacrificed 
or raise him from the dead. So Abraham takes the wood for the sacrifice and lays it on the shoulders of Isaac and takes the fire and a knife in his hand and they walk together. And Isaac asks the innocent question in verse 7, My father, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. In Abraham's response to Isaac's question, we have a beautiful prefiguring of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Even as Isaac carried the wood for the sacrifice, so the Lord Jesus carried his own wooden cross. Isaac was an obedient son to Abraham, just as the Lord Jesus Christ was an obedient son to his heavenly Father. Abraham is not only speaking of his circumstances, but about the future when he says that God the Father will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. Notice that in verse 9, Abraham builds the altar, arranges the wood, and binds Isaac to the altar on top of the wood. The tension in this story is building. Abraham raises the knife over Isaac, about to plunge it into his heart. But in verse 11, the angel of the Lord calls to him from heaven and says, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. What a glorious prefiguring of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus on the cross. We have the Old Testament shadow and the New Testament fulfillment. An only begotten son of Abraham and an only begotten son of God. A dearly loved son in Isaac and a dearly loved son by his heavenly father. An earthly son laid down in obedience for a sacrifice. A heavenly son offered for the sins of the world. Through Christ, the Lamb of God, the world is purified. Man is freed from error and he is led into truth and freedom and God's eternal kind of life is transferred to human beings by the Holy Spirit. And what is Abraham's response to all of this? Verse 14. And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. The whole point of this chapter is that a true worshiper of God obeys God in faith at great cost. He is wholehearted in his commitment and because of his obedience, God provides for him. When we obey God, we find that he does provide for us. He gives us new strength, new devotion, new assurance, and new promises. And so we come to the climax of the story, faith rewarded. Abraham's faith is not only applauded by God, but richly rewarded. God says in verse 16, 
By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. What are some of the rewards God gave Abraham for his faith? First, faith is rewarded by God's acceptance and approval. The words, now I know that you fear God in verse 12 mean that Abraham's conduct has been recognized and accepted by God. God knew that Abraham feared him, but now Abraham has demonstrated the genuineness of his faith and the reality of his justification. His faith is now active along with his works and completed by his works. Faith always results in obedience, which is its expected outcome. To please God by the obedience of faith is the great desire of our hearts. 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, So we make it our goal to please Him, to know God's favor and to bring Him joy. Then faith is rewarded by deeper insight into God's will and purpose. We need to remember that Abraham and the nation of Israel after him lived in a pagan world where human sacrifice was regularly practiced. This was a gruesome, demonic offering of children to the false gods, completely out of character with the one holy and true God. Up until now, God had not revealed his will concerning human sacrifice. But now he indicates that sacrifice is important, but never child sacrifice. Only an animal's blood is to be offered as a symbol and prefiguring of the perfect blood of Christ the Messiah to come. Therefore, a secondary result of God's command to sacrifice Isaac as a burnt offering was to stamp out all such hideous behavior from among God's people. It was only the desire to appease the gods which drove the pagans to these horrible practices. The provision of a ram caught in the thicket by his horns showed Abraham and Isaac that God appointed and provided a lamb. They didn't need to sacrifice their own children. This was a magnificent foreshadowing of the great substitute of the Messiah who would die on the cross for the sins of the world. listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him.
let's continue our lesson. Faith is further rewarded by receiving back the surrendered offering now all the more precious because it has been laid on the altar. We can imagine the tremendous joy that passed from father to son after the angel stopped Abraham's hand. What supreme gratitude must have filled Abraham's heart when he cut away the cords that bound Isaac. Isaac was now doubly a child of wonder, born by a miracle and delivered by a miracle. When we give God what he commands, he gives our obedience back to us multiplied. What he asks is that we lay everything upon the altar, that we give God wholehearted love and obedience. We give to God our very best, our Isaac, and he gives us our Isaac back with his blessing. Wholehearted love and obedience are always rewarded. Jesus said in Mark 10, 29, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he shall receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. This is the fabulous truth of being a Christian. Even though following the Lord Jesus may involve the loss of home and friends and loved ones, entering into the church means discovering a far greater and wider family than the ones we lost. We discover and come to love many who become our spiritual mothers, fathers, sisters, and brothers. Dag Hammarskjöld, 1905-1961, was a highly respected, twice-elected Secretary General of the United Nations. In 1953, Hammarskjöld experienced a dramatic conversion to Christ, which he records in his diary. Not I, but Christ, he wrote. I am the vessel, the drought is God's, and God is the thirsty one. In the last analysis, what does the word sacrifice mean? He who has nothing can give nothing to God. The gift of our lives is from God, and we give ourselves back to God. From the day of his conversion, when Hammerskold put everything on the altar for the Lord, people said that to be in contact with Dag Hammerskold was to know a great, good, and lovable man. That is the reward of obedient faith. Hammerskold said no to himself and yes to God. God saw his heart and rewarded his faith. God doesn't need our sacrifices, but he wants us to learn the spiritual lesson of offering our best to him and therefore increase our love and devotion to him. The final reward of Abraham's faith is that his great act of surrender of his beloved son Isaac has become the mirror 
in which God's unspeakable gift of his Son to us is portrayed. St. Paul says in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? The words in this verse are the same words God used of Abraham when he demonstrated his obedience to him. God said to Abraham, You have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. St. Paul is saying, Think of the greatest human example in the world of a man's loyalty to God. God's loyalty to you is like that. Just as Abraham was so loyal to God that he was prepared to sacrifice his dearest possession, God is so loyal to us that he sacrificed his only son for us. There is a final significance to this wonderful story. It is another picture of God's divine plan surviving all obstacles. God's purpose is once again on the verge of being frustrated and defeated as it was in Genesis chapter 12, 16, and 20. This time, it is the death of the very person through whom the fulfillment of the promise is to come. If Isaac dies, God's plan to raise the Messiah through him fails. Once again, God creates a way of escape and triumphs over the obstacles to his plans. It is as though God reminds us that he offers man a supremely precious gift, which is always in jeopardy but never destroyed. Nothing can defeat the sovereign purposes of God. Dear friend, cherish this truth deep in your heart. You may be facing difficult times in your personal life. You may be in the midst of a great trial or experiencing persecution because you love the Lord Jesus. Remember that God is accomplishing his plans and purposes through you. Keep looking to Jesus. Keep trusting Jesus and you will know the privilege and joy of being his faithful servant. This story of Abraham describes how faith was never more sharply tested and never more triumphantly stood the test. The life of faith is a life of continual testing so that we can prove to ourselves and to others the genuineness of our faith. Which is stronger, our earthly loves or our heavenly obedience? The testing proves the truth. Abraham shows us through his trial of faith that obedience is complete when our inward surrender is complete. The inward motive and will is the true action. The external act is only the outworking of an inward faith. God looks in all our actions only for the motive. If our motive is self-seeking, it cancels our good deeds. If our motive is the praise and glory of God and independence upon him, then our good deeds reveal God's work through us. Perfect faith in the heart is shown by perfect obedience in the life. 
The outstanding lessons concerning worship and obedience in this chapter are also timeless. Faith always obeys the word of God. When the command of God comes to us, we immediately do what he says. Faith surrenders our very best to God and holds nothing back. God desires wholehearted worship and obedience to him. He wants us to place our all on the altar, our whole being. Faith waits on the Lord to provide all that we need. But God doesn't become Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, until we have passed the test of personal sacrifice. True worship and obedience costs us everything and then God rewards us abundantly for our faithfulness to him. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. You've been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G A U D E T E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles, they will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint.